Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Welcome to Zoli's Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. All right, James, a lot has gone down since we recorded. I think we recorded on Friday night. Uh, we were recording on Tuesday morning. Um, and it feels like the, the ground has shifted quite a bit. The Leafs have done quite a few things. They've uh, added Zach Bogosian. They've added Jimmy VC. They've added some other depth forwards. Um, are you surprised they've been as active as they have been so far? Well, you know what? I was thinking about this today. It's pretty clear that they put together a large-scale plan of all the different things they wanted to do. And Kyle Dubas has said this a few times, that they had to wait for free agency to open because there was no interview period to really be able to talk to players and start executing on what they wanted to do. And, uh, you know, they were pretty aggressive with, with all of the different moves they wanted to make. I mean, they, they had a long time to think about this, right? I mean, they've been they've been thinking about and planning this offseason since basically since March, you know, even before you go into the the play-in games, you're, you're thinking about what's our team going to look like next year? How would we change things? Uh, and they, they've known it's going to be a flat cap for quite a while too. So that I'm sure changed things. And, you know, I'm sure they had various ways that could create cap space, cap space on a list somewhere in, in the office and uh, players they could move and then players they could acquire and, the thing too, I think, with what's happening in the NHL is you got to be adaptable. You got to be ready to to change your tactic based on what's happening in the landscape. And I mean, there's there's still a lot of good players available for not a lot in trades and not a lot to sign in free agency. And you know, I the Leafs have been players in that space a little bit, but uh, there's going to be other teams I think that really benefit from. From that, you know, we're going to see in the next couple of weeks free agents sign for way below market rates. I mean, look at the Toffoli deal that he got in Montreal. I mean, the the teams that still have the four, five, six million dollars in cap space are going to get some good players with that money. Well, we talked about this kind of going in what your strategy should be, and that was one of the things we we hit on is like there is a risk in like jumping early because suddenly there's lots of guys left over looking for chairs and like willing to potentially play for less. Like you look at guys. I don't know, like even some of the trades, like you mentioned, like Nate Schmidt goes for nothing. Nate Schmidt is good. And he just, like, it's just a third round pick, I think it was. And that's like, 
oh man um well like yeah you, i mean you, the leafs would have done that right like if in a heartbeat if, yeah and you wonder like you wonder what happened with with mckenzie Weger, um why that didn't go down if there if that was going to happen um you wonder if if they do one of those things do they sign tj brody like I mean, you even look at some of the guys they sign. Like, obviously, they sign Wayne Simmons, like, right away uh, when free agency opens. You wonder if you waited a little longer. Do you – can you get him for less? Do you get someone else? I don't know. Like, you could some of the other guys out there. Like, there's the Corey Perrys and, like, Joe Thornton's a guy I I like for them. Um, who else uh, kind of comes to mind? I'm trying to remember the uh... – anyway, there, there's some interesting guys still out there that they – could maybe have waited on um do you like like some of the guys that they've taken gambles on yeah i mean it's pretty low risk if you if you give a guy a contract that's less than the burial variable amount variable amount is 1.075 million if you're signing guys for less than that you can send them to the minors and it doesn't it, it has no impact on your on your cap situation so if they decide 20 games into the season that zach bogosian can't play they can they can wave them they can send them down same with jimmy vc you know simmons you know you get that amount of money and then you're on the roster and it's interesting you know as you were saying that i was thinking of kyle clifford and and the leafs offered kyle clifford a a really generous deal that he wasn't able to to find anywhere else in free agency and he, he ended up having to take less in terms of years and dollars with with st louis um it, it, you, know, you look at that and it makes you think that maybe the Leafs were a little too aggressive with a player like that, right? Like they could have yeah. ended up signing him for more years and more money than the market was going to be able to give him. And the only thing with Simmons that we know, Jonas, is that other teams were, were offering more. So, you know, right, Montreal, like Montreal would have. Right. So if you like Simmons and you want that element on your team, and I think the, the, the key thing with Simmons is we don't know if we don't know what he has left in the tank. Yeah. The Leafs clearly think he has something and they think he's going to be worth that 1.5 million. I mean, we're guessing whether or not if he plays like he did last year in New Jersey and Buffalo, then it's a bad contract. But if he can bounce back to what he was before that, it's fine. So that it's hard for us to sit here right now today and say that's a good or a bad signing. Sure. I think it's a reasonable bet just in the fact that you're going to play him with better players, a better team. Um, like he was playing most of last year. I'm trying to remember the guys. It was Pavel Zaka and Miles Wood. And like Miles Wood's a, a decent player, but like he, he potentially could be playing with better players here. He'll play on a better power play. Um, health, health is a big thing with him. He seems to, to feel, he said, as healthy as he's felt since 2017. I just, I, I kind of look at their team right now. Um, and, you know, the offseason's not done. There's still more moves they can make. I don't love like their bottom six mix. I think their talent level has has dropped, and yet I still think they could end up being a better team because I think they've balanced the roster better. I think their defense is um, like I'm working on something for later in the week, and I think this is the best defense they've probably had in like more than it's definitely the last ten years, and like you can go further back. Um, now what we should get into with the signing of Zach Bogosian, whether they need to move a defenseman where do you kind of stand on that i think they could and it wouldn't necessarily hurt them that much but they could also decide to hang on to what they've got um 
So that's like the biggest cop out answer of all time. I, I don't have a hot take on. I don't have a hot take on whether they have to trade a defenseman or not. I mean, if there's something else else out there in the marketplace, and you think, you know what, we we're okay with the decor we've got. We could move a Hall and, and uh, Justin Hall and free up, you know, a little over a million dollars. You know, one point three or whatever uh, over over a league minimum contract. Maybe you want to do that. Um, but I can also see the argument where they were there were a lot of times last year where they had two or three defensemen hurt, yeah, and they were playing guys like Marincin and Sandine and Lilgren in minutes in games that they really wanted to win, and uh, it hurt them last year when, you know, there were times that Riley played hurt a lot, uh, Muzzin got hurt, CC got hurt, um, Dermot was hurt at the beginning of the year. Maybe it makes sense to have seven defensemen you really like. Maybe you don't need, or I mean, I guess eight if you include Sandine and Lettinen. Maybe it makes sense to have eight defensemen you really like and, and to not bet on good health every year. I think it does. And I, and I think the issue that they might run into um, is the guy you'd probably want to trade of the two between Hall and Dermott is Hall just because of age. Um, but like, I just don't know how many teams are going to look at that contract, which starts now, three years, two million dollar cap hit for a guy who's played one NHL season. Like, I don't know how many teams are going to be jumping at that. Um, and then the other part is, so then, do you trade Dermot? It feels like not the best time to trade him uh, when you're still kind of figuring out what he is. He's going to be cheap. Um, I could see it like if you did trade Hall, like you could play Dermot. Like with with Muzzin in your top four, like I think of the two you'd want to trade, it's Hall. But I think of the two that would have more value, it's Dermot. So I kind of just think it makes sense just to keep them, rotate, and then kind of figure it out. Because maybe, like you said, maybe Bogosian, maybe you discover it doesn't work. Maybe Lettinen comes over, we think he's going to be good. Maybe he doesn't fit, and so like maybe you don't need to rush something like that. Maybe, and maybe Sandine is getting close to ready. Or I mean, this can be something you decide in the middle of the season, right? You can decide yeah. at the trade deadline. Like, you feel like... The, my only, the only pause I have with, you know, them bringing in Bogosian and saying, should they should they move out another defenseman, is are they blocking Sandine and, and Logren too much? Like, should those guys have... Should they be the first injury call-ups? Because they're not going to be now. I mean, I guess you could. I guess if someone gets hurt, you could call them up and... And then you can sit somebody else, and it, it's 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 really hard to forecast what what the AHL is going to be next year, and where those guys are going to play, and where they're going to get minutes, and how they're going to develop. And it's such an important year for them. Logan's twenty one, Sandine's twenty. You know, you, you, these are the years where you, you between you know twenty and twenty two. Those are the years where you want to see a guy go from being a good AHL player to an NHL player, and if they're not able to play anywhere it's it's going to be hard for them to do that um yeah and then the question you know how much how much better is a Lettinen or a Bogosian than a Sandine well you know what I think it is James like I, I think it's a, a really tough balance that teams have to strike you're trying to develop your players you're also trying to win and and I think we saw especially in the playoffs last year I kind of think you need a little bit of that Bogosian Roman Polak you need guys who are like who have who are battle tested, like mentally, physically, they're kind of like, they can kind of survive a little bit more. Like we saw in the playoffs last year, the Leafs like were kind of exposed. I mean, we saw during the regular season with Rasmus Sandin, like he was a 19 year old. What do you expect? 
but like he was exposed physically. And if you're the Leafs, I don't know that you can look to the next year's playoffs and say we can count on mm-hmm. him to go four rounds against like go through these wars. Like it's it's hard physically to get through that, let alone mentally. And I kind of think the having the option of someone like Bogosian who is like he's 30 and he's like 6'2 and 200 and whatever pounds. You know what I mean? Like he's muscle. He's tested. No one's going to. not going to be intimidated. That's the, that's the right word. Yeah. No intimidation there. Well, the thing too, Jonas, is like like if you get in a situation like you're in a, in a playoff series or a play-in series or whatever you want to call it and, and someone like Muzzin goes down and you have another option there that's not Marincin, it's instead it's Bogosian, then, you know, I, I get the analytics people looking at Bogosian and. You know, at this point, he's he's probably a number six defenseman, right? Like he's 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 not a guy that should play on a good team. He should only be playing fifteen minutes a game, right? Like you, you look at his numbers, and it's he's good on the penalty kill, and then he's kind of just like a third pair guy. But if you run into injuries and you need people to fill in in a pinch, and you know he's he's seen everything, and you could play him up the lineup if you had to. You know the way. I think the debate that you and I can have is, is, is this team better? And if so, why? And if not, you know, why not? And, you know, you think about the defense. I mean, it's essentially, it's essentially Brody replacing Barry, CC or Barry and Bogosian replacing CC or Barry. And then further down the lineup, you've got Lettinen replacing, I guess, Marinchen who played quite a few games last year. Or Sandine. Right. Right. Well, but let's pause for a second before we get to that, and let's let's touch on Bogosian a little bit more because I think you hit on an important point that I feel like gets overlooked when some of the underlying numbers are brought up. You have to like bring up context, and so when you're looking at Bogosian, you have to remember that two years ago he was playing like 22 minutes a night for a bad Sabres team. Should Zach Bogosian be playing 22 minutes a night with Erasmus Dahlin? Probably not. Like that. That's like ideally you're not using Zach Bogosian that much, but it's not a great team. They have to overexpose him. We saw with Cody Cece, terrible underlying numbers, really hard minutes in Ottawa. He comes to Toronto. He plays on a better team. He plays with a better partner. Suddenly those numbers tick up. Zach Bogosian, like you look at him last year in Tampa, um, the numbers the numbers look fine. Like they're not great. They look fine. And he played. If you look during the playoffs. He played mostly with Ryan McDonough, and he played mostly with Victor Hedman. Like those were his two most frequent well, partners. I would think maybe you or I could get decent numbers when we play with those guys. Well, and so that's part of it. And so, like, <laughs> I, I, I even wonder, like, in in writing about this, if there's some situations like where you just play him with Muzzin and you just bury them defensively, and you kind of mm-hmm. you use Riley and Brody in in more offensive situations. Like, I just think it gives you a different flexibility. So let's get to that question as to whether a better they're a better team. I think for me they could be because I think they probably end up giving up less goals because their defense is better and they've added some potentially well, I still don't know if they've added enough defensive forwards who like you can count on. I still think those bottom two lines are a little thin. But they could give up less goals, and if they are more competitive, we're not going to see so many of those nights where you're like, what was what was going on that night? You know what I mean? So I think there's a chance that they are a better team, if not as talented. They should be better in goal, too, right? I mean, remember, look at all the problems they had. In, I mean, I would think that Anderson's season last year is probably the floor for him, right? So you hope that he comes back and he plays better than he did last year. Yeah. And I have 
while we don't know exactly what Jack Campbell's going to be, I have a hard time imagining he's going to be what what happened with Michael Hutchinson at the beginning of last year. So, you know, there's there's optimism that they're going to get more saves. There's optimism that you're improved on the blue line, just in terms of like you said, you you know, your flexibility and your your options and you know, if you're trying to hold a lead, you're not trying to put Barry or CC out there. You you wrote about that in your TJ Brody story. Like they've they've got guys that have played the NHL a long time that know how to hold a lead that aren't going to be scrambling around and passing the puck to the other team and stuff like that. Um, the the biggest question is, and I I think that this is a difficult one to answer. Did did they subtract too much forward depth? in order to to fix their issues on defense. You know, the way that the salary cap works, especially when you have, and I know people are tired of hearing about it, but especially when you're spending so much money on your top four and and really your top six when you, you bring in the, the top two defensemen that they've got, um, it, it's hard if, if you want to allocate more money to the blue line. you got It's got to come from somewhere. So it came from obviously trading Kasperi Kapanen in August, but then also trading away Andreas Janssen. And the question is, can can the VCs and Simmons and uh, Robertson and Barabanov and Travis Boyd and Joey Anderson, and can these guys replace what they had in, in Kapanen and, and Janssen? I don't know. I think offensively, <laughs> well, I mean, last year, it, the, the thing the Leafs kind of benefit a little bit from, not benefit, but I mean, if, if Janssen and Kapanen were coming off good seasons, let's say they were coming off the seasons that they had two years ago, and then they just have to kind of... They didn't give Kapanen away. They they actually did pretty well in that trade, considering. Especially looking back now. Like, look at the trades that are happening now, right? Like, if you tried to yeah. trade Kapanen right now, it'd be much harder than, than when they traded him. Yes, but it would sting a lot more if those guys were coming off really good years and you just had to give them away. Um, the Janssen one's tough. Like, that's just... That's just a reality of what's going on. I mean, Janssen goes for Joey Anderson. Nate Schmidt goes for a third-round pick. Like, that's that's kind of the reality right now. Tyler Johnson just goes through waivers untouched. Um, but you just wonder, A, uh, if they're going to be able to score enough on those bottom two lines. They weren't able to score enough on those bottom two lines generally last year with those guys. Um, so you're betting on Simmons having a bit of a bounce back that way, VC bouncing back that way. Maybe they add another guy um, and and get more offense that way. But it's a very fair point. Um, but maybe you just have to expect that those top two lines and your power play are going to carry you offensively, and you'll be better and more competitive defensively, and that'll be the difference. And better in goal. Yeah, I, I think trying to be a more well-rounded team makes sense. I mean, you said that they, they had difficulty scoring from their bottom lines last season, which... You know, we certainly saw that at times, but the flip side to that is that under Sheldon Keefe, they, they were the highest scoring team in the NHL, you know, even with the injuries that they had. So there probably is a little bit of give there where they can they can probably subtract a little bit of, of that firepower mm-hmm. to balance them out a little bit. It'll be interesting. I mean, I, I, we talked about this on the last podcast, right? Like, I wonder if you can play some of these other pieces that they're bringing in with Matthews and Tavares and get more out of it. Like, I wonder if you could play a VC or maybe Nick Robertson or I don't know. Like, I wonder if you can balance your lines out a little bit more and not have them so top heavy and that maybe there's a way there for to get some more offense. 
Well, you know how I feel. I, I don't think that you need to play your best guys with Matthews. I think I don't think Marner needs to play with Matthews. I don't think Neilander needs to play with Matthews. Now, as you've pointed up when I brought that up to you, how are you going to find the minutes to go around for, for Matthews, Neilander, Tavares, Marner? I think you can do it. It just it, it might mean that Matthews isn't averaging 22 minutes a game. It might mean he's averaging 20, which I also might argue is could be beneficial in the long run. Maybe not because the players that you're going to be playing, um, you're giving some of those minutes to aren't as good. Um, but I think they could create better balance on their top three lines if they split those guys up a little bit more. Um, the question is like what they're going to do with that third line. Like right now, trying to project what that's going to look like is is difficult. They could add another guy, but I just don't know who's going to play there. Like I don't know what Nick Robertson's going to do. I don't know what Jimmy Vesey's going to do. I don't know what Wayne Simmons is going to do. It feels like they've they've left themselves potentially short if those guys don't hit. I don't know if did you have a chance to read my piece today just looking at the depth chart and like you know I talked about the guys that I wasn't sure where they fit um and the names I came up with was Robertson, Engvall, Barabanov and I'm not really sure like I think a VC plays either third or fourth line left wing probably mm-hmm. Simmons is is same same situation third or fourth line Spets is probably in your lineup on the fourth line either center or right wing Kerfoot's Kerfoot probably has to play center unless they get another center here in the next little while. Um, but I wasn't sure what to do with Robertson, Engvall, and Barabanov. It's it's almost like they've got... It's the same with the D. They've got a lot of pieces now. Um, and, and and getting them all enough opportunity is it could potentially be a challenge. All right, let's take a brief break, and then we'll come back and talk some more about the D. We need to talk about the goaltending situation Um, And we need to talk about the potential options for them still out there um, and what that kind of would look like um, as far as the trickle-down effect on the rest of the roster. So we'll take a quick break and we will come right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. So you were mentioning some of the forwards. Which of those like low risk kind of gambles did you like best among like Boyd, Simmons, VC. I mean, if you want to throw Joey Anderson into that, I, I, I don't. But which kind of struck you as like, yeah, you can even throw Bogosian into that mix if you want. The thing that I like about Anderson, at least, is that he's the youngest of that group, and he could potentially be someone that improves. And you look at his numbers, 
you know, in, in college and that, and they're, uh, they're pretty good. So I don't know, like you, like, I think you kind of know what a VC is, you know, what a, a Boyd is. I don't, I have no idea what Barabanov is. Um, I, I think getting some of these, we've talked about this before in the podcast, like one of the most brilliant trades that I think's happened in the last few years was Tampa trading Drew for Sergachev and it's kind of like trading a guy that's slightly older and more expensive for a guy who's really young and cheap and still getting better and just making a really smart bet I mean Sergachev was a ninth overall pick so it wasn't like but Drew Ann was I think he was third or fourth overall pick like he was a really really highly touted I remember at the time people were like oh that that hurts that they got a that that looks like a cap dump but I mean in the end they got the better player um, I'm not saying that, that trading Janssen for Anderson is going to be that, but that's kind of, the Leafs might have to look at making trades like that in the future where they move guys. Like, let's say, just purely hypothetical, let's say Mikheyev breaks out and has a huge year. Let's say he has 25 goals and 30 assists and he's in line for a big time raise. You know, he can, he can command $4 million as a UFA in, in two years or whatever. You might have to look at that and say, there's a lot of demand for this guy. Maybe we should trade him for whoever's like 20 years old or 21 years old that's going to be the next Mikheyev, but who's going to be cheaper than what Mikheyev's going to get. And then you're not paying for the 28, 29, 30, 31 year old Mikheyev. You're, you know, you're cashing in that asset. And I don't know if the Leafs have really made a trade that that's pulled that off, but I, I'm kind of on a tangent here. That's called the New I mean, England the, Patriots model. That's what they do. Right. Well, and we know that Kyle Dubas likes, likes, um, Belichick. On Belichick, you know, he, he likes that, like, he, he studies that model, and, you know, the, the idea of getting all the picks and everything, that, that's, that's a very New England Patriots idea, right? Yeah. Um, well, a way to do that, James, what would have been interesting, we actually never discussed this, and we should have, um, instead of, let's say, signing TJ Brody, it would have been interesting if, let's say, you offer sheet Eric Chernak, and you just say... We know Tampa can't pay. He's young. He's big. He's mean. He can play in your top four. It's more. It's it's it. It might be more of a gamble because there is some unknown. Like he doesn't have a long track record. Last year was his first in the league. But instead of paying TJ Brody, who's thirty, you're paying uh, like a twenty-two-year-old, and you're you're kind of hurting your division. Rival. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't be throwing bombs at Tampa. I mean, I would. You know, why why not? Are you you know, why not try and offer sheet all the guys they've got down there? Sorelli, Sergachev. Oh I mean, God. why not at least just make it difficult? And then if you know, if the Leafs have to, what if you I do mean, if you get them? <laughs> what's that? Well, I mean, it, it's become more difficult because you've got Brody now. But yeah, the the tough thing actually, to, if you think about it, Jonas, is that the RFA offer sheet window opens at the same time as free agency so you kind of and if you offer sheet someone they've got that window where they get to decide whether they the other team matches or whatever so it takes quite the process takes a while isn't it seven and days then, yeah and then you're a team and then you yeah. like all the free agents are gone and like that kind of makes the offer sheet less useful doesn't it like if yeah you know if the if there was an offer sheet window that was before unrestricted free agency that that could really make things interesting where those guys are available first and you can take your crack at those guys right away that uh, that might make it a little bit easier to do. But, but we know that you know, system even, isn't designed to actually work. Like it's not, it doesn't happen in the, the league, right? 
Yeah, I'm sure the teams like that that those offer sheets have no teeth. I mean, in the NBA, they've got teeth, right? Like in the NBA, they can actually work sometimes, right? They do work. And I think it actually, I this is just off the top of my head, but I think it's three days in the NBA. Like I don't think you get a week to decide. And lots of times teams just get the guy. It happens. Like there's no, in the NBA, there's no compensation. Like you offer sheet a guy, you just get him. Yeah. Like you don't have to pay anything in draft picks. Right. Can you imagine? It would just be complete chaos with the way the NHL is right now. And I mean, look at look at Colorado taking advantage of the Islanders and their cap situation. I mean, the look. At, I mean, Vancouver taking advantage of Vegas. Vancouver was in a really tough spot. Like you, I can't let game. wait. I can't let you disparage the GM of the year. I just can't. <laughs> I thought looking at the Islanders' cap situation that it was going to be. Lou is going to find some way to get rid of Boychuk or Ladd or Hickey or maybe there'd be some buyouts or I I don't they they almost took the I didn't think they would trade away like they're I said this to someone last night you know everyone complains about what happened with the way the Leafs managed their RFAs and how much they got paid and, and everything and they think what if Lou was here it would have been better but the concern would, for me, would have been if if Lou was here, what if he did something like this? You know, what if in you know the the RFA asks for some number and Lou's like, nope, and trades trades the guy away. I mean, that's what this looks like. Devin Taves is a very, very, very good young defenseman. So you you're hanging on to Letty and Boychuk, and you're trading the very good young guy for a couple draft picks. That doesn't make any sense. Well, James, it's not like they could have seen this coming that they had RFAs. Who are going to get paid? Oh, no! Wait, they could. Oh, so you didn't have to give Jean Gabriel Pajot a five? Was it five years? Six years? Whatever it was. Well, the, the cap hit was was big. I think he got five and a half, didn't he? He yeah. he got a, like a big cap hit, and you got you know Komarov's making three and a half, and like God love Uncle Leo. But I remember when when he was going to free agency and he the agent was asking all the teams for four years at three and a half million for Komarov and other teams were like they could not believe that that was what they there were other teams that liked Komarov and they were like yeah he'd be a good guy to bring in on your fourth line and then they saw the ask and they're like there's no way that's going to happen and then the Islanders gave it to him so you make and Vancouver's in the same boat I mean you make enough mistakes on depth guys I like I was playing around with Vancouver's cap situation last night and it's like holy cow like they got Beagle, Roussel, Louis Erickson, Sutter. The, the amount of money they have in guys who are basically fourth line forwards is just incredible. Like it's just it's a mess. They almost need to like take a year, take a knee for the next year, just clear out some of that crap, and then be ready for the year after. But I mean, obviously, that just so rarely happens, just because there's just not a lot of job security for a lot of these executives. But you know, and and you know, I wrote about the top buyout candidates around the league a couple of weeks ago, and the Leafs don't have any. I mean, like we, you can complain about how bad the Leafs contracts are, but who's the what's the worst contract on the Leafs? That's tough. Hmm. I mean, if if people want to probably argue that Tavares. It's, yeah, if people want to argue that it's Marner or Tavares, I mean, how overpaid are they? A million, a million and a half, and then Marner, you look at teams like much, yeah. You, yeah, well, you look at, well, I mean, what did Rantanen get? Eight, nine and a half? Well, and I then, mean, look, so, we don't talk, he never gets talked about because he plays in Buffalo, but Jeff Skinner's getting nine a year. He had 23 points last year. UFA versus RFA and et cetera, et cetera. But, like, 
So if the Leafs' worst overpays are a million or a million and a half, and then you look at the Islanders and they've got like three or four guys that are making four million more than they should or three million more than they should, like it's, you know, the Leafs should be able to find a way to make this work with what they've got. Um, is this it? I don't know. I mean, they were the eighth best team in the NHL under Keefe. I think that's probably about what they still are, no? Maybe a little bit like better? fifth or sixth for a couple of years under Babcock. Right. Just, so they're just, probably they're probably still in that in that ballpark. Yeah, well Babcock had three players who are, you know, three of the best forwards in the league on entry level contracts, so I should hope that they they had pretty good teams. Well, but, let me let me say something. So I I hit on Lou Lamarello from time to time and deservedly so, I think in in most cases. But I do think one thing that he has recognized and you could see it um, granted, he hired a really good coach, and that's probably like the reason that they've had all the success that they've had. But he has recognized that you do need different elements on your team. Like you just can't be one thing. And I think we've seen this off season that that's what's happened with Kyle Dubas is he's realized you can't just be a bunch of like speedy, skilled guys. Like it's not going to work. Like you have to round out your team with guys who do different things and have different skill sets. Like you can't just have Kerfoot and Janssen and Kapanen. Like you need a little bit of, or Dermot and Sandine and Hall. Like you need a little bit of Bogosian maybe just to to bring something different to the table. Part of what they're trying to do there, Jonas, is they're trying to elevate the way that the, the guys they've already got play too. And I think that if you get some more players like that that are on your line or that are that are. I don't know, for lack of a better word, grinding like that, then then they're hoping that some of the other guys that they've got see that and play that way a little bit more. I mean, Sheldon Keefe's talked about, every time he's talked, he's talked about how much he wants that full training camp and that full year to really drill into the players' heads how he wants them to play, and it's it's some of those things. It's about it's about not compromising on the ice. You know, you and I, we got to find different ways to say this stuff because we've been, the fans in Toronto are so tired of hearing people talk about compete and all these things because you know they they've been hearing it since randy carlisle was hired and he said it over and over and over and over again and it becomes meaningless it becomes cliche um but i think what they're trying to do is just change the dna of the leafs not a lot but a little bit and and bring some of these guys in there to do it fair i do i do um i mentioned it i think a bit earlier it is interesting that they have not changed the goaltender um obviously there weren't a lot of options out there in free agency that you could look at and say, like, that guy is for sure better than Frederick Anderson. Obviously, Robin Leonard doesn't come to market. I mean, there there seems to be an idea that Jacob Markstrom is, like, 100% better than, than Frederick Anderson. I'm not totally convinced on that. And obviously, he got six years by six. So you're not doing that. Um, I guess you could still trade for someone like Darcy Kemper. But it does feel like a little bit of a roll of the dice on uh, Frederick Anderson rising to the moment when you get to that moment. Sorry to interrupt, but I was I heard that Darcy Kemper, Arizona, wanted a first-round pick. So that's I could see why they wouldn't want to do that. Okay. Yeah. But I, I, Okay. Fair. But you are then again rolling the dice on Frederick Anderson rising in the biggest moments when the evidence for the last few years is that he— does not do that or has not been able to do that that can change like just because it's been one way doesn't mean it's going to be that way for forever but to this point uh, when they've needed a save at a key time he has not been able to give it to them and you may run into that situation again and that's tough 
Well, you know how going into every season we do those pieces where it's like 10 questions the Leafs need to answer or whatever, and we make predictions and stuff like that? When we get to that point, one of the questions that they're going to need to answer is what Anderson can give them. And I mean, if, if he struggles the way he did last year, I wonder if they make a, tra- uh, a change in the middle of the season or something. Like, I I don't think that his leash is the way that it's been in the past. Like way when Anderson, shorter. When Anderson was the goalie under Babcock, it was completely unquestioned that he got almost every start, that he was the guy, and Babcock always built him up and talked about how good of a goalie he is. And I, I don't – that's been eroded. Like that, that's been chipped away, and there's not – he he doesn't have the – Well, he hasn't played as well. Like that w- – it probably yeah. wouldn't have changed. I, I didn't agree totally with how they handled some of that backup stuff last year. I get what they were trying to do with Michael Hutchinson, but I also think it probably – may have messed with Frederick Anderson as well, changing the what, way his what schedule was. What were they trying was. to do? Well, they were trying to build up Michael Hutchinson. So they were they were saying, we're not just going to give you the crap starts the second nights of the back-to-back. We're going to give you some of the, the better ones, and we're going to give Frederick Anderson He mostly the did second get crap night. starts, though, right? Like, it wasn't no, a, it was, after Sheldon Keefe took over, they changed at the odd time. Well, because Hutchinson was falling apart. Yeah, but I think the other effect was... I, I can't prove it, but I, I, I do wonder if it had an effect on Frederick Anderson, who had been locked into this schedule where he plays all the time and he plays the first night of the back-to-back. Like, it's very, very, very consistent how they were using him. Like, I don't know how you look at the way Mike Babcock used him and say that that wasn't right. It worked. Like, Anderson, during the regular season, was mm. very good. Their record in the first night well, of back-to-back. he back got hurt and he got worn down and he played, you know. Well, to be, I, I well, don't know if who that is, is the, the best way to who yeah. was the backup? They didn't have a backup that they can play. And so now the question partly is, if Anderson struggles, how much more can you pay, play Jack Campbell? Well, I was looking actually at Jack Campbell's numbers last night, just thinking about it again. And like, he's, he has not played very much. Like, I don't no. think we know. I don't think we know what Jack Campbell is. Like, he's one of the wild cards of the season. He's, what, how old is he? He's 20. He's older eight, than you think. 29. He was a number 10 overall pick. Uh, he is 28. He's 29 in January. So, you know, he's been around. He was drafted 10 years ago. He's played 64 NHL games. Like, he has, he has not played a lot of games. 64 NHL games. Like, when the Leafs got Tosca, he had only played around that number. Jonathan Bernier. When the Leafs got Jonathan Bernier, he had only played around that number. You have no idea what a goalie is when they've only played 64 NHL games. Yeah, that's why when you tell me that they like him, like that's nice, but like that doesn't mean and it doesn't mean anything. My impression is the Leafs think that Jack Campbell can be part of the answer and can play more and that means Anderson plays less and that potentially that helps him. That that seems to be that seems to be the the talk out of the front office that that Campbell can be part of that, but I don't I don't know. Um, I don't know what Jack Campbell is. I mean, last year in L.A., he played 20 games and he had 900 save percentage on a bad team. I, I don't know. The issue sort of, and then we'll we'll take a quick break, um, is that you can make it about like playing Anderson less and like maybe he's better rested for the playoffs. I just don't know if what we've seen from him in the playoffs is a rest thing. I mean, there were four months off. Is. I don't think it is. Like, I just think... It just could be the way he's wired, where in those situations where it gets really tense, like he just he he can't kind of figure out that moment. Again, that can change. So uh, we'll see. Um, I should mention James. Lots been going on in the NHL, as you know. Taylor Hall is a Buffalo Saber. Alex Petrangelo is a Golden Knight. 
Uh, I mentioned Jacob Markstrom is a flame. So Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun, if you want to hear everything about what's going on in the NHL, be sure to listen to their podcast this week. Uh, the two-man advantage, you can listen to it on the Athletic app. You can find it anywhere you get your podcast. Lots to, to kind of chew over. The division has, like, I don't know if it's improved that much, but it has gotten more interesting. Like, Ottawa has done some, in quotes, interesting things. We'll see what that looks like. Do you, are you worried about the division? Like, do you think it's gotten better? Do you, do you think it hurts the you Leafs at funny? all? You know what's funny, Jonas, is that there's a lot of talk that that's not even going to be the division the Leafs play in next year. Oh yeah, right. Right. I don't. I don't think that's going to be their division. So yeah, true. you know, Good point. we're talking about what Montreal's doing and what Buffalo's doing, and in a normal year, yeah, you'd, you'd say you know Boston took a step back. Tampa's going to lose probably someone of value, and I think the Leafs are going to be in a Canada division. Should be worried about Tyson Berry and the Edmonton Oilers. Well, yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> wouldn't it be so? It'll be so interesting. Like I was thinking, even through the thought exercise of if there's a Canada division, who's the best team? Like that. That's a, that's a real. There's no Tampa in in that division. It's probably like either Winnipeg or Toronto. Oh, and if you want to throw Calgary into that mix, look at Winnipeg's D right now. I mean, they they got to really rely on Hellebuck. Winnipeg's. You know, with Brian Little being hurt and Perot declining, and I know they brought back Stastny, but he's not the same Stastny that he was a few years ago. <clears throat> They've lost a lot of pieces on D. They're at the cap. I mean, they still could trade uh, Patrick Lyonet, which I think would be a mistake, but yeah, they could do that. <laughs> okay, but how does that make them better? I don't I mean, know. I think that it could be the Leafs, it could be Calgary, um, Vancouver. I mean, I think they're still trying to figure out what their roster is going to look like. Um, but it could be Vancouver. I mean, they would need Holtby or Demko to really step up. Uh, goaltending was a big part of their success last year. Yeah. Montreal's could potentially be better than last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Canadian teams, there's no, uh, I think everybody you can say. I mean, you, you said Winnipeg was the best team. I mean, like, do you have their blue line in front of you? Like, their blue yeah. line is. Well, I mean, they added to the other day and it, it's not their top four isn't bad. Like Demello, Morrissey, Pionk is good. I don't know. Derek Forbert's like what? A, like a third pair guy? I don't know. I like Morrissey, but then you start getting into the, the yeah. Well, it helps when you have a like a Vesna Trophy worthy goalie. Now maybe he doesn't repeat that, which is probably the likelihood. Um, but I mean, every team is going to have its question marks. I don't think you can look at anybody and and say they've got everything figured out. I'm excited about the idea of a Canada division. As you know, I have pushed that for a long time. Being being yeah. someone from Western Canada, I think is part of that. Like I, I, I love the rivalries that are there, and I think that if if the league developed them a little bit, and I know US TV doesn't like having the Canadian teams on TV as much as they do, and like why not just it would be good for it would be good for interest, I think, in the NHL in Canada if they played each other more. Yeah. Well, I mean, imagine if you had ma- more like Matthews McDavid kind of matchups, or yes. or even like even Matthews Pedersen McDavid. I guess McDavid Pedersen play a bunch anyway. But anyway. I wonder if I wonder if there's a Canada division, and that's kind of like the the bubble or whatever. If you and I will be traveling, and we'll just be going to Edmonton over and over again or something next year. Oh, baby! It sounds like you're clicking around reading something. You got anything good for me? Yeah, I was just going to ask you about. It's like, man, we're in the weeds now. If I'm asking you about this, jeez. Was <laughs> um, it a Kale, a Kale Kosselas question? 
No, I... God, I don't even know. Is he still on my depth chart? Yeah, he, I guess he is. Yeah, he's... Oh, I got him boy. as others... Under others vying for spots. He is 18, 19, 20... 21st on the list for a forward job next year. So I think he's he's got a... He's got quite a few people ahead of him. Did Korshkov beat him out or no? Yeah, I have Korshkov just ahead of him. I mean, Korshkov's okay. gotten in an NHL game in Toronto. Yeah. I was going to say, um, they do need a a third goalie and they're, they're kind of running out of guys. Now I wonder which of these guys like among Craig Anderson, Aaron Dell, Mike Condon, Jimmy Howard. Mm, I, I, I can't see are, Ryan. Like I can't see Ryan Howard. Those, running, those aren't Ryan the Miller. right name. Those aren't the right names though, Jonas. Like those guys aren't going to go play in the AHL. Like the, the names you got to look at are the guys that have been in the AHL for a little while that are kind of like just on the cusp. And I, I think I got a name. I think I put a name in my, in my story. I wrote about this. But, I know you but, but, but hang on a second. My story. Where do you, where, no, I haven't. I, I, I got up and I started, I wanted to get to this thing in my story first and then I got distracted. But where do those guys think they're going to play? So either they're going to, they're going to play in the AHL or they're not going to play. Like there's, there's no, I don't know where those guys think they're going to play. Well, there's, there's a couple backup roles still available. I mean, who's the backup in Anaheim? There's, there's a few backup jobs available. Or, or there's some some places where the backup is uncertain. So the Kings on the weekend signed a guy named Troy Grozenik, who is he's a thirty. He's been in the AHL for a while, but he's got good, really good numbers. That's the kind of like the number mm. three goalie in your organization is like like kind of like what Michael Hutchinson was supposed to be last year. You, you get a guy that's been around that if you have to call him up and play him, there's some comfort level that that they can play. So they're going to have to find – it's going to be some guy that we don't know very well. I mean, I was looking through the list. I was looking through the list of AHL goalies that needed need need a place to go, and there's some names there. I'm, I'm sure that Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe know those names better than we do. I mean, Sheldon Keefe coached against those guys for a long time. Yeah, that's true. Long term, they need Jonas. They need to get some better prospects and some better organizational goalie depth in, in the system because – I mean, we don't know what Ian Scott's going to be, to be fair, but <laughs> they need they need some guys that can play. Well, I, I think I looked back at, like, their drafting of goalies for the last whatever number of years, and basically they pick, like, one a year, and they haven't gotten anything. Like, they really haven't gotten anything drafting since, since Reimer, yeah, yeah, which is 2008, I think. So that's that's quite a while. Maybe two thousand. Is it two thousand eight? Maybe two thousand six. No, wait. Was the Shen draft? It was. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's six, which is like, oh my god. Reimer's getting getting up there, isn't he? He's like thirty three years old, isn't he? Like it's pretty amazing. Um, before we wrap, uh, any kind of closing thoughts on what you think is lying ahead? Mm, I think they're going to try and be players in some of the bargain free agents that are left, and they're going to continue to offer guys. Like VC, they're going to continue to offer eight and nine hundred thousand dollar deals to anyone who wants them. And I just, you know, they've only got forty contracts signed. You know, they've they've got a lot of room still in terms of the number of contracts that that they can sign. So they uh, they might do that. I just I don't know how you find playing time for all these guys, especially if the AHL is not up and running next year. Well, I would like them to add another forward for their third line, whether that's Corey Perry, whether that's Joe Thornton, Derek Broussard, maybe like, I just think they're a little short. Mm. Broussard's um, a good so one. So we'll see. Yep. Yeah. Just someone that they can play at center. And I mean, I don't even know who their fourth line center is at this point. So Spezza, I guess, or Engvall. Yeah. I have Spezza right now, but like, 
cool. I think I talked about this on the last podcast, but I think what they they would love to have like a defense first kind of checking line uh, as their fourth line, but they don't really have anyone that can center a line like that. Like there's no one. They don't have a. Well, gun, I guess like, you could do James if you wanted. You could do like Barabanov, Boyd, and Engvall if you keep Engvall. But if so you don't Boyd keep Engvall, be, the center. I guess Boyd Engvall could play center. I asked some people in Washington about Boyd. They said he's fine. He's he, he seems like kind of like a guy. But the thing they said about Boyd is that he always produces points, and it's like at a surprisingly high rate. So, hmm. well, I don't know. Right. I do not know. I do not know either. Manny Malhotra is going to be looking around in the, in the dressing room for another Manny Malhotra, and I don't. He's not going to be able to find one. No. Well, all right. We'll see. Well, so we'll be back, I guess, James. The next time something crazy happens, we got to get Chris Johnson on one here at some point. Maybe not next week, but soon. He's game. I talked to him. He's up for it. So we will do that for sure. So stay tuned, James. Keep well. Enjoy the rest of your week. Everyone, stay safe. Thank you for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. I guess Thanksgiving is over now, but still, thank you. James, say, close us out, I guess. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening.